Distro hopping, the idea that Linux is fun and the myriad of ways people put distros together should be reviewed often. My name is Moss. I live in eastern Tennessee. My name is Tony. I live in the northwest of England. And I am Dale. I live in northeast Ohio. Welcome to Distro Hoppers Digest. We love checking distros out, new distros, new versions of older distros, and even some we may have overlooked. We each have our preferences in complexity, or desktop, or package management. Perhaps we can help you find a new distro, or better understand one which has piqued your curiosity. The idea of this podcast is that we will each install a new distro to our chosen hardware for three or four weeks, and use it as much as possible, perhaps even as our daily driver. We record all our trials and tribulations, fixes, what we liked and what we didn't. Tony and I prefer to look at distros which would be kind to a new user, especially one who is hoping to move over from another operating system, such as Windows or Mac OS. While I tend to take on the more advanced distros and give them a go. We intend to give as much information as possible on each distro, and we will also divulge what hardware we are using and how we think the hardware may have affected the rating. Welcome to Distro Hopper's Digest episode 26. Recorded on September 29th, 2021. This episode, we are taking on Sparky Linux, Six Mate, and Zero Linux. We are happy to receive suggestions of distros you'd like us to try. Dale and I are sharing a microphone for the first time, shoulder to shoulder, as he is visiting my wife and me on his vacation. Monthly foibles wherein we discuss what we did this month. I received a used Lenovo T540P from Owen Peary, the Mintcast audio editor. It arrived with a broken case bottom. I got a replacement back, and installing it, done by Dale, required removing the keyboard, which refused to cooperate and proceeded to decompose, throwing keycaps around the room. None of this was anything Owen could have known about or Dale could have prevented. In my experience, it was the most obscure design of removing a keyboard I've ever seen in 25 years. We have another keyboard ordered. It should get here later today or tomorrow. I also got another Silicon Power 512 GB SSD for it to run alongside the 256 gig Samsung, which came installed. Dale has also been redoing the heat paste on all our computers, including the Zia 800, which should be running cooler than ever right now. We reinstalled Mint and Bodhi on the Z800. I'm having driver problems on Bodhi, which I've never had before. But what's going on with you, Dale? After recording episode 25, I drove over to help a friend with his streaming podcast studio. I replaced two of his RJ45 connectors that had broken off uh, retention clips so they'd fall out of the computer uh, network card. My other task was to read the manual of one of his mixing boards... We wanted to get all the audio from one mixer to a second mixer so that another computer could get audio from that second mixing board and return it to the first mixer. After some trial and many errors, we got it working. I sold my Rode NT-1 USB microphone since I've been fairly happy with my Rode pod mic, but I'm still adjusting my audio settings as little tweaks here and there. I continued my research on the origins of the GUI series of articles I'm writing on itsmoss.com. I'm currently writing my uh, second article, which uh, enters into the 70s and will soon be into the 1980s. 
I'm hoping by the third one I can actually start talking about X11 and other things, which is what my intention was with this whole article, but I didn't expect it to go back 40 years of history. And by the third one, I should have the first one edited. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm blown away by how how back this goes back into uh, into history. That the 50s, I would have never guessed. But in any case, I did some Linuxing and uh, played around as of uh, Chaos or KOS, however you want to pronounce that, in elementary OS. But I'm going to save that for my beautiful failure section. So how about you, Tony? Oh, well, so for me, I've been vacationing quite a bit. Uh, at the end of August, just in the beginning of September, we had a week's walking holiday in the English Lake District. And this weekend, we were away again. So I just returned from visiting friends in Birmingham and Harrogate, uh, having another break. Uh, Linux-wise, I installed Debian 11 onto one of my test laptops. Not much to say there. It works and it's stable. <laughs> it's just Deb Debian with a few updates as far as the kernel and packages, but I'll talk about that again in a minute. I also swapped out the SSD on my Dell uh, E7440 laptop and put a one terabyte Western Digital Blue into it. Uh, an SSD, that is. And reinstalled Mint 20.2 Mate. I've also played with the free version of Proton VPN, which seems okay. Although on the free version, you only get three choices of countries for the servers and one connection. I've got the USA, Netherlands and Japan as the three uh, countries that I can attach to as far as the servers. And speed-wise, it's uh, for the free version, you get a medium speed, although it seems pretty snappy when I was running it this morning just to check it out. The lowest paid plan is around about $48 a year and it gives you two high-speed connections to servers in over 40 countries. But as far as I'm concerned, I've, I've installed this basically just to use it when accessing banking or other sites when I'm using personal information when connected to a public Wi-Fi hotspot. So it's quite useful to have. I don't think I'll probably need the full paid full version. Yeah, I've looked into Proton and used it some, but uh, I'm finding other VPNs are cheaper than the paid version and uh, faster than the free version. And plus, Proton has a limit on how many devices you can have on it. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine it does. So, uh, shall we move on to updates anyway? Updates, where we discuss what we've learned about distros we've already reviewed. I haven't heard much lately other than the fact that Zorin 16 is out. I looked at the website for information of what they did, but other than theming, it all looks like Ubuntu's work. We will consider a review in the coming episodes. I'm looking at the latest update on Endeavor, which looks more like Manjaro than it used to. I actually had some difficulties with Endeavor, which I was not expecting, but they were wholly different difficulties than I had with it in the past. <laughs> Anyhow, Dale? And Moss endeavors to figure out the problem. No, he endeavors to wipe it from his system and try something else. <laughs> well, Soldus has been in the news recently, if you've been keeping up with that, but we don't really have time to get into the assorted details. 
In any case, uh, Joshua Strobel, the lead developer at Solus, announced that due to decisions made by the GNOME development team, Solus was going to release Budgie 11 on GTK4, but they decided that they were going to rebase it on EFL, which is the Enlightenment Foundation Library, which was created by the people that maintained the Enlightenment. What well, started out as a display, well, pretty much it was a window manager, then they created the display manager, now it's more of like a foundation to build other desktops on. And I think uh, Bodhi Linux Moksha Desktop uses it, so they've got some help from uh, from their experience. GhostBSD 21.9.6 moved back to FreeBSD's rc.init system that's used to start the services. Since uh, the Debian project released Debian 11 Bullseye, Debian Sid moved more code from the experimental branch into its code base for review, which meant that Debian testing is now evaluating the next stable release code name Bookworm. So how about you, Tony? So, as I said earlier, I did have a play with Debian 11. Uh, I installed it on one of my uh, spare laptops, my Dell E6220. I had to find the non-free ISO, as I needed a Wi-Fi card to work, because I haven't got a uh, spare cable up where I am. So, uh, with the non-free ISO, you also get the advantage uh, of the Calamaris installer, which is not the default in the free ISO. And I find the Debian uh, installer a little bit clunky, so I'm quite happy with the Calamaris one. As I said, much of the improvements are incremental upgrades to the packages and utilities, which many distros have been using for months, if not a couple of years. Uh, A full list of the changes can be found in what's new in Debian 11. I've put a link to that in the show notes. But uh, all the new... uh, Goodies uh, in your favourite software will now be available, as well as uh, the 5.11, uh, 5.10 LTS kernel. As usual, Debian 11 seems rock solid. Uh, And if you're happy to have stability over the latest and greatest packages by default until Debian 12 comes around, then this is a distro for you. I will add that if you do need a particular upgrade to a particular package, then Flatpak and snaps are an option. But if it is uh, for more than one or two bits of software, then you may want to consider something a little bit more cutting edge than Debian, as it's probably not for you, (laughs) as in my case. Uh, In this case, you're probably better off finding a rolling distro such as Susie Tumbleweed if you need all the latest and greatest packages, which uh, Tumbleweed's a really good distro. I found it quite good, and I have it on one of my... uh, other little laptops so uh, that's it with me so shall we move on to beautiful failures beautiful failures what we tried and failed to install or run this month i tried to install sparky linux 6 lxqt version and got past the splash screen but little farther i tried again and tried a different download to no avail you can't rate a distro you can't install. I reinstalled Bodhi on the Z800 last night and for some reason it picked up the wrong video driver and won't see my sound card. I'll need to look at that later. What about you, Dale? The only failures I had was attempting to dual boot with Chaos 
using the XFS file system and uh, elementary OS using the LVM, which is the Logical Volume Management. This all centers around the Columaris installer. I had KOS installed on my T460 that I was taking a look at. I needed to install Zero Linux for my review, so I thought I would just dual boot it with Chaos. There's some issue with uh, older versions of Calamaris that have problems resizing XFS formatted partitions, and I also found out LVM, but I'll get to that. I had Elementary OS installed on my T430, so I thought I would try Zero Linux dual boot on it. Calamaris had, ins you know, issues resizing that partition. The automatic wouldn't even let me select a partition, but the manual partitioning would. Except it popped up an error when I tried to save the partition changes. I rebooted into Elementary and saw that they were using LVM. Again, apparently there is an issue with current or older versions of Calamaris. Also, I would also question why they were using LVM on Elementary OS to begin with, considering... Well, I'm not going to get into that. I don't know what their target audience is with that distro, but this seems an odd choice. I didn't bother trying using the command line tools, the LVM tools, to resize the volume, because I had other things to do. So I just wiped the KOS off my T460 and installed Zero Linux. I will look into uh, the XFS and LVM support in Calamaris uh, and uh, report back if I find the... Uh, information to you at this burst. So how about you, Tony? Yeah, there's me bigging up Calamaris. <laughs> yeah, well, my only failure this month was trying to install the free ISO of uh, Debian 11. And I mean free as in freedom rather than, uh, you know, the other free because uh, Debian's free whenever you want it. But uh, it wouldn't recognize the Wi-Fi card, so I was unable to use the uh, free version. So I just nipped over and got the non-free ISO. And uh, uh, Bob's your uncle, as they say. So, uh, yeah, I've just talked about that. So uh, shall we move ahead and go over to our first distro review of the month? So... What I'm bringing to you, uh, as I previously mentioned, is a distro. I think it was a suggestion in our uh, Telegram group. I think uh, Biku, I think, was the one that recommended it to me, or su suggested the uh, review of uh, Zero Linux, and it's X-E-R-O, sort of like the uh, Xerox spelling. So... It is a custom Arch-based distro using the uh, KDE Plasma desktop. And the uh, gentleman that created it, he goes by the moniker of Tech Zero, with the uh, same spelling there, and was uh, a personal project that he started because he had a keen interest in uh, Arch and Arco Linux. He wanted the distro themed on the way he wanted it and configured how he wanted it with all the apps that he used immediately after installation, so he can get to work. Plasma is chosen because of his familiarity with it, and it's highly customizable. Only KDE-based uh, utilities and the selected packages are available after the installation. And uh, others shared his vision, and Zero Linux Distro was born. My hardware is my old uh, T460. It uh, still has the dual-core... Intel Core i5-6200U 
2.8 gigahertz, 14-inch display using the uh, internal uh, Intel HD Graphics 520, 16 gigabytes of RAM, and my uh, 500 gig SSD. Installation ease and issues. The installer is Calamaris, which is configured to use the option to install selected packages during the installation. This is a feature that is seldomly used in Calamaris that is used in other distros, which I think is a pretty nice plugin for them to use, but to each their own. The usual sections are listed, and some new ones specific to uh, Zero, which are core and packages. The core is where you can custom select specific system packages, such as what processor microcode you want for AMD or Intel, the uh, LightDM Login Manager, NVIDIA Optimus Manager, Kernels, you have choice of LTS, Zenpatch, AMD Ryzen, and the AMD Raven Ridge. Then you have the uh, graphics drivers, the NVIDIA plus DKMS, the NVIDIA LTS drivers, the Nouveau. You have the Intel, um, you have some uh, NVIDIA tools, and the uh, AMD and the generic GPU drivers, which are the, uh, what's that one that they call the... Uh, Mesa? Mesa. Yeah, thank you, Moss. The Mesa drive drivers. And then he added the sound servers of Pipewire or Pulse Audio. Packages are where you select what packages you want to be installed. There are many categories such as audio tools, browsers, cloud tools, disk and USB, game launchers, graphics apps, and, of course, the Office uh, products. After the package selection, I set my location and keyboard language. Up next was the partitioning. I tried to do boot with a KOS, but the automatic ins uh, install alongside option wouldn't let me select the partition to use, except for a few megabytes of uh, unused space. I even tried to do manual partitioning and was able to resize and set my mount points, but when it came time to uh, save the changes, it failed again and no reason was given. I ended up choosing to erase and install, which was successful. I don't know what the problem was. KOS was installed with the normal partitions on an EFI root and swap using the XFS file system for root partition. It was using the entire 500 gig SSD. After some reading, I believe the issue, as I previously mentioned, was with Calamaris, which is yet to be ironed out yet. The user creation was the normal uh, questions of the uh, name, username, etc. The next screen showed a summary of all the chosen options I made. After that, I continued with the install. Since the installer is downloading the packages that I selected, the install time is largely based on how fast you can download on your internet connection. Once finished, I had the option of exiting the installer or uh, just rebooting the uh, computer. Tech Zero released a new ISO as soon as I was done finishing the uh, writing the review. It was a couple days before going on vacation. Because of that, I had to re-review the changes that were made. Because I, I purposely finished the review before my vacation because of not knowing how much time I'm going to have doing other things that I didn't plan on doing, like re-reviewing a distro. So with the help of Moss, he, I asked him to install Zero as a dual boot on uh, my T460 with the previous uh, 
Zero Linux install. I was able to briefly compare them last night. And it was lots of fun doing that installation. There are too many options, in my opinion. Yes. <laughs> and if you select the wrong option, it doesn't let you know until you're done and say, okay, now install it. And I had to install it twice to get it right, or at least to get it to go. I just skipped an option it hiccuped on before, but it started over and I had to totally turn the machine off to restart the install. It, this is not fun. Anyhow, go ahead, Dale. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll, I'll expand on that a little bit later. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. So post-installation hardware facts and issues. Well, compared to the previous ISO, didn't have any sound. This new ISO uh, had the uh, pipe wire, which is supposed to be the uh, new sound server that's going to replace uh, Pulse Audio that we been dealing with now for not really dealing with because it got ironed out pretty quickly but we've had pulse audio for at least a decade if not a little bit longer so and it also includes pulse audio uh, support for backwards compatibility well i tried installing pulse audio and it partially conflicted with the packages that uh, pipewire installed and then i thought well i'll just try removing pipewire and well that was what they call the dependency hell and I didn't want to break what was already broken in the uh, distro because I still had to go through the rest of the distro and see what else was changed. And, well, needless to say, after all that, I still didn't have any audio. Do you have any audio on the second partition that I installed? Yeah. Hey, I got it right. <laughs> yeah, the one, yeah, the other one that was the old ISO, it, uh, it worked fine. But for some reason, his implementation of... Uh, Pipewire doesn't work, and I have heard from other podcasts and other people I've heard that, yeah. Well, I did Pipewire on my installation. Yeah, so. I think it's kind of glitchy, but uh, some people say it works fine. Cause I know I've read uh, some people in the uh, Mintcast Telegram group that are that's using it, and they're having uh, some pretty good success with it. So, anyway, ease of use. ButterFS is the file system that is used, which was changed because I think he previously used uh, Extend4, EXT4. This enables time shifts advanced functions over rsync. Plasma is version 5.22.5. Framework is 5.86.0. And Qt is still at the 5.15.2. And they're using X11. There is no other uh, choice. Wayland is not really really popular even even now. But anyways, as previously mentioned, you have the option of using the Arch kernel or the LTS kernel. The current Arch kernel is 5.14.8. Now, Zero is a heavily themed distro from the Grub boot menu to the desktop. The Grub menu is unique. It looks like a computer interface that you'd see from a sci-fi movie. The desktop features a dark theme called Sweet. It's similar to uh, Garuda. If you've never seen either one, just picture Las Vegas, Nevada at night with all the neon signs. The panel is uh, the Latte Dock. It's a QT uh, dock application. It's pretty popular. And he has a panel located at the uh, top, and he has a, a separate application menu to the left using the application style. 
and a separate compact shutdown menu on the far right. So they look like separate, like three islands on the uh, panel. It has a launcher at the bottom with menus that cascade as the mouse passes over them. Latte Doc calls them the ripple effect. If you've ever used the uh, various versions of the Mac OS, it's the where you move the mouse and the icons that jump as you go over them or pop up, however you want to call it. Yeah, you get that in Bodhi as well. Yeah. So uh, to round out the theme, they also enabled the effect of wobbly windows. That's where uh, basically your windows are like jello. And I was kind of surprised that they didn't use the magic lamp effect when uh, using minimized windows because I thought that was a requirement for using wobbly windows because you can't have wobbly windows and then have the window just disappear. So, <laughs> in my opinion. Sure you can. <laughs> <laughs> I know some people can't stand the uh, stand those uh, effects, but in any case, PAMAC is installed in both the terminal and GUI, and it's the... Uh, Unless you change it, it's the uh, default GUI package management. I like it better than Pac-Man because it uses more understandable command switches like install, search, update. There's none of that dash S-Y-Y-U-U-U-U, tack, 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 whatever. <laughs> I just can't remember that stuff anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> the GUI application is pretty nice. It clearly shows the version of the package that is installed and the version that you are going to be upgrading to. PAMAC also provides access to the Arch AUR, which is the uh, community-maintained packages. It's, I think, Arch User Repository. Update notifications are shown in the top panel, and it looks like a red shield that lets you know that it's uh, got something to uh, grab your eye there. I noticed after many updates that I was instructed to reboot, and I didn't bother going through what was in there that would require a reboot, but... 90% of the time it wanted me to, so I did. In the configuration of PAMAC, the, in the GUI specifically, you can enable the AUR, Flatpak, and Snap. And he, uh, TechZero, has the available repositories from Arch and uh, Arco of the following. Core, Extra, Community, Multilib, Zero Linux uh, underscore Repo, the Linux kernels, Arco Linux underscore repo, Arco underscore repo underscore th uh, three party, and the Arco underscore repo underscore x large, if you're familiar with uh, Arco. I noticed that when I would log in, the drop down terminal, which he uses as Yakwik, would be open alongside with the settings for Latte Doc. Sometimes only the Latte Doc settings would be open with other times, nothing would be open. I don't know why this happens, because they were not open during the uh, previous session, so I have no idea what's prompting them to pop up on login. And it seems like this edition does it more often. It seems like it does it every time. But in any case, in the uh, bottom latte dock, uh, the defaults are the Dolphin File Manager, Vivaldi, uh, web browser based on uh, Chrome, Chromium rather. Kvantum Manager, it's a theme manager. Console, which is KDE's terminal emulator. Gnome Disks, which is for the partitioning. And then you have the Plasma System settings. You missed one. It also has the Grub Customizer. Oh, yeah, there. I forgot to put that on there. He added that one. Yeah, the Grub Customizer. So I did test uh, some of the other usability with uh, the Samba, and uh, it worked fine. 
to be able to connect to a share on my network at home. I just opened up Dolphin, clicked on the network, then selected SMB. After a brief pause, it showed my shares, and I double-clicked on one, prompted for my username and password, and then it showed the shares, and I think I just opened the document or something, and it'll work fine. Printer support's not in there by default. There was no option for it during install, so you're going to have to do that your, yourself manually. So I just installed CUPS and the uh, other uh, packages it needs and was able to uh, enable printing on my HP Color LaserJet 100 MFP. I abbreviate it because I got tired of saying the whole name of that stupid thing. <laughs> so we're going to move along to the memory and disk use. I think the memory use... Uh, decreased from the previous ISO. So it went from 740 megabytes down to 630 megabytes. I think it was 714 on the one that I installed for Yeah, I'm, th I'm thinking it kind of varied with some of the plasmoids and stuff that were running and some of the stuff he chose because he, he was heavily into the plasmoids into the first, the, the pre not the first, but the previous ISO. Now the disk space is going to vary because it all depends on what you're going to install. I didn't install that much um, because Arch has all recent applications, so it's kind of redundant to install them to see what version they are. And that was about 9.3 gigabytes, and it's, you know, roll-your-own type of uh, distro there. So the ease of finding help, I didn't reach out at all, but he does have a Telegram group and a Discord channel, and he does have a YouTube channel with about I think three, maybe four videos. So I think they're like walkthroughs and some other stuff where he explains why he made the distro. Now, the play's nice with others. Well, as long as the distro is using EXT4 or ButterFS, then you shouldn't have a problem because, like I said, there are problems with other file systems. Stability. I will give the same disclaimer I give for every Arch-based uh, distro. Your mileage may vary. Tick Zero even mentions this in one of his YouTube videos. It is up to you not to install packages that can possibly break the system. And then I'll add to his comment that uh, sometimes you don't even need to do anything other than just install updates. Or wait too long before you do an update and you find out your system is broken. Just like Arch. Yeah, I don't want to be, <laughs> we don't want to be too cynical, but we have to be realistic. It, it, this breaks for some people, and some people, they can run it for two years and not have a break. That's how it goes, I guess. So, there are some similar distros to check out. We have Manjaro, Garuda, with all their dozens of editions, and Endeavor OS, which are all Arch-based. Now, for my ratings, had added this because of the new, new ISO. Uh, the ease of installation for a new user... I didn't even quibble. I just said one. <laughs> there is so many options, and some of it's going to be Greek. I mean, when you start talking about micro, uh, uh, processor microcode and stuff like that, you're completely over the head of even some experienced Linux users. Um, experienced users, I still gave it like an 8 out of 10 because you can bing it, Google it, duck it, whatever you use. And that will vary depending on what the user is experienced in because there are so many options you might make a wrong choice oh yeah like i did the first couple of times trying to install it <laughs> yeah yeah like i had to uh, for like dm i had to install the gtk support in order for it to work on a qt based window manager i uh, that this blew my mind but in any case uh the hardware issues i mean it's it's the linux kernel i mean it's 10 out of 10 and the ease of finding help 
uh, for the community web. I didn't reach out to any of them. The uh, ease of use, I'm just going to give 5 out of 10. I was more leaning towards 7 or 8 until this last ISO, but with stuff breaking and not even working after the installation, that's that's not good. But I can't... I'll, I'll get into that in my final comments. Plays nice with others. I'd say 7 out of 10. And the stability. Just because of stuff breaking and not working after you just installed it, I'm going to give it a 5. With my, uh, my total rating overall, it's going to be 6. So, just to sum this up, it's... Uh, Longer review than I intended, but with this new ISO that came out, it hit the fan. So my final comments will be, This is an enthusiast distro made by a passionate Arch fan. He took aspects of Arch and Arco to make it his own. It will be very interesting to see where this distro goes. He mentions in his videos that things are subject to change between ISO releases. I can definitely agree with that statement. The previous ISO installed was working, but a little quirky, like I said, things being open after you log in that you never had opened, you know. Unfortunately, the current ISO has some issues. Could they be fixed? Yes, of course, quite possibly. The better question is, why should you need to fix a brand new install? I'm not saying to write this distro off completely, or as some of the kids would say, throw shade at him. This only shows how complicated creating a distro can be, and is. I've never done one, so I can say that for sure. From what I saw in the previous ISO, I was really quite impressed, considering that he learned how to create this from his friends that were making distros. I, I was honestly impressed how well he did. It'd be better than what I could do. Before this new ISO was released, I was going to rate it more around the 8 range for an experienced user. I think I would wait until he releases the next ISO. I think this is a distro to keep on your list of the ones that spin up in a VM or on a spare machine. This previous ISO is very close to daily driver status, of course, if you're an Arch-based distro fan. So let's move on to Moss's review on Sparky Linux 6. Okay, Sparky Linux 6 Mate. It's been a year since Tony reviewed Sparky, and they have a new full version that just came out, so I thought I'd give it a go. This distro is based on Debian 11 Bullseye. I tried to install both the Mate and the LXQT versions, but as already stated, the LXQT version failed. Plasma Desktop is also available. The main features of Sparky Linux are choice of stable or semi-rolling release, lightweight, fast, and simple, your favorite desktops to choose from, they have many desktops on this, Special Editions Game Over, Multimedia, and Rescue. A CLI Edition with no acts for building customized desktop. Most wireless and mobile network cards are supported. A set of selected applications, multimedia codecs, and plugins. Their own repository with a large set of additional applications. And easy hard drive USB installation. In general, Sparky is not targeted to Linux beginners, rather to users with some amount of Linux knowledge, but beginners are welcome, and the forum is quite friendly to all. My hardware, I am running on my new T540P with an i7, both Intel and Nvidia graphics, 16 gigs of RAM, and a 240 gig Samsung SSD, or at least I was until we took it apart the other day. <laughs> with Sparky Linux, only the Intel graphics were recognized, which is fine with me. 
installation ease and issues. The installer is Calamaris, so there were no issues. Just about anyone can get through this sweet installer. I didn't see anything special or new to this distro added to the Calamaris installer. Post-installation hardware facts and issues. Everything installed. In my opinion, there are way too many programs included, but it's no problem to remove them. I did my usual thing of replacing LibreOffice with SoftMaker FreeOffice. Everything is Debian. Everything works. I must say Debian feels a lot more open than it did five years ago. Ease of use. The system was so easy to use that I'm going to have trouble talking about it, but it did beg the question, what's the difference between Sparky, Q4OS, MX, SolidXK, Anti-X, or any of the various Exton OSs other than selection of desktops? One answer would be that Sparky seems to be the only Debian derivative offering a Mate desktop. The biggest quibble I had was that the welcome screen comes up every time you boot and stays on until you close it. If this is a non-beginner distro, why do you not have a way to disable the welcome screen? There's nothing on the forum or in the help files about this. Memory and disk use. RAM use is fairly light at 534 megabytes. With Firefox open in three tabs like I usually have it, it's at 2037 megabytes, which should not tax most machines. Disk space taken up is a measly 5.9 gigabytes. Ease of finding help. The website touts their active and friendly forum with grammatical problems. I didn't ask about the welcome screen, just looked for solutions already provided. Plays nice with others. Yep, just like every other Debian derivative with a grub bootloader. Stability. Debian bullseye. It's Debian. Bullseye. Using the word stable is redundant. This stable version uses Debian Stable. The rolling is a tad bit more adventurous, but still less so than, say, Base Ubuntu, which is also stable. Similar distros to check out. MX Linux, Q4OS, SolidXK, AntiX, Netrunner, PureOS, LMDE, any of the Paul Exton OSs. Excuse me, I got that wrong. His name is Arna Exton, and I did not correct that in my script. And so... Now it is corrected. <laughs> Ratings. Ease of installation for new user about 9 out of 10. Experienced user 10 out of 10. Hardware issues 10 out of 10. Ease of finding help 9 out of 10. Ease of use 10 out of 10. Plays nice with others 10 out of 10. Stability 10 out of 10. And I seem to have underrated it overall as a 9. Final comments. This distro runs beautifully, and there are few, if any, glitches, but I'm just not seeing anything that makes it different from all the other Debian-based distros, other than offering a wider range of desktops. It may be a better question to ask why we need all the other derivatives, since they tend to offer a single desktop or only a few. Thumbs up here, just as Tony gave it a similar rating last year. While I'm at it, I have recently become aware that Debian itself has some flavors called Debian Pure Blends, such as Debian Junior, Debian Science, Debian Gaming, Debian Edu, and others. They also have a version which runs the herd kernel instead of the Linux kernel, and they still support a variant running the KFree BSD kernel, although that has officially been discontinued. So while you're looking at distros based on Debian, you might give a look at Debian itself. Let's move on to new releases. New releases since last episode. From August 18th to September 28th. KOS 2021.08 Sparky Linux 6.0 Partis 
Clonezilla Live 2.7.3-19, Voyager Live 11, Ubuntu All Official Flavors 20.04.3, Open Media Vault 5.16.3, Archman 20210826, Robo Linux 12.10, Alpine 3.14.2, Manjaro 21.1.1, Libre Elect 10.0.0, Endeavor OS 2021.08.27, Linux Lite 5.6, Oberon 2021.09.01, Open Mamba 2021.0828, Alpine 3.13.6, Nitrix 2021.09.01, BLFS 11, LFS 11, EasyOS 2.9, LACA 3.4, Phoenix 1.2.3, Tails 4.22, GhostBSD 21.09.08, ThinStation 6.2.11, Arco Linux 21.09.11, Hunix 16.0.2.7, Bluestar 5.14.2, Xtix 21.9, Kali Linux 2021.3, Manjaro 21.1.3, Linux FX 11 Preview, which is a Linux copy of Windows 11, Ubuntu 18.04.6 All Official Flavors, 18.04.3 is still recommended if you're running x86-64 or AMD-64. Most of the changes in the new version are for ARM systems. Sparky Linux 2021.09, Emubuntu DE4-1.00, UB Ports 16.04 OTA19, KDE Neon 2021-0923, Midnight BSD 2.1.0, Bicom PBXWare 6.4.0, Absolute 2021-0923, Archcraft 2021.09.25, Q4OS 4.6, 4M Linux 37.1, Blue Star 5.14.7, and Kodachi 8.12. Announcements. Our next episode will probably be recorded around November 3rd. Does that sound right, Dale? Yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah, I think we discussed that yesterday. Okay. Depending on Dale's schedule. For chatting with us further, you may choose to join our 23 users in Telegram, our 51 members in MeWe, down from 53, or the 7 users up from 6 in our new channel in Discord. Uh, Where can our listeners find you, Dale? I'm Dale underscore CDL on Telegram, Matrix, and Discord. Discord, I think, needs that number, pound sign 9433. And my email is Dale underscore CDL at PM.me. Tony, what about you? You can hear me every week on, or nearly every week, on Minkcast. You can contact me on distrohoppersdigest at gmail.com. Com, Hacker Public Radio, I'm host ID 338. If you want to go and look at or listen to a few of my old po- podcasts on there, I'm uh, Tony Hughes 1212 on Twitter and th at mintcast.org if Woo-hoo. you want to get me there. And you can hear me every week on Full Circle Weekly News. Reach me as at Bardic Triad on Twitter. Email me at bardmoss at pm.me. Yes, I finally have a paid ProtonMail account. And find me along with Dale and Dylan at itsmoss.com. Before we go, we would like to thank all those who have made this project possible. 
starting with the Minkcast crew for allowing us to use their Mumble server and Discord group. Archive.org for storing and helping to distribute this program. Audacity, which we use to record and edit the show. Joshua Lowe for work on our logo. All those who work on the teams which are creating, adapting, and maintaining the Linux distros we have reviewed this episode. Midair Machine, creators of the song Streets of Santivo, used as our music under Creative Commons license. Thanks to Linus Torvalds for the kernel, Richard Stolman for the GNU toolkit, and all those who have worked hard behind the scenes on free and open source Libre software. We shall be back next month. Thank all of you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>